play in is set, ladies and gents. The play in is set. And that means we one step closer to the best tournament in sports, the NBA playoffs. Welcome back to another episode of Quick Hits. And for those who don't know, it's your boy, your host, Jay or J-Man. Whichever one you want to call me, just don't call my mama. You dig? And shouts out to my boy Kane. I got my dog in here, Kane, with me. He to the right of me. He want to come in here while I, you know what I'm saying, record an episode of Quick Hits. So I'm going to let him kick it with me. But uh, as y'all know, I explained how to play in work last episode, so I ain't finna do it again. So if you on the need to know, go ahead and tune in to the last episode and catch up, mustards. But anyway, like I said, when I opened the show, the play-in is set like the table on Easter Sunday. And uh, this is Quick Hits. So right quick, right fast, I'm finna jump on in. And talk about how I think this play-in tournament finna shape up, starting with the Eastern Conference. Alright, so I'm gonna go to the first matchup of the play-in, which is set to pop off Tuesday at 7.30 Eastern, um, between the 7th and 8th seeds, which is the Heat versus the Hawks. Now let me go ahead and map this out for you real fast, real quick, on how this finna go down. Alright, so I know a lot of people... You know what I'm saying? They might be rolling with the heat culture, and I can dig and respect that. But I'm going to say the Hawks get a little revenge from them losing to them boys in the first round of the playoffs last year in five games. Now, I know what the heat can do defensively, but offensively, I think the Hawks going to put up some numbers on them. Um, see, last year, the heat size and being able to send multiple defenders at Trey Young really fucked them up. And uh, last year... Um, in the offseason, the Hawks brought in uh, a bigger guard in the offseason in, in DeJounte Murray. And uh, I think uh, that'll remedy the issue that they had last year as far as, you know what I'm saying, Trey Young getting uh, overwhelmed by that size and different matchups they could throw at him because now he got somebody that can help him out with all that. And uh, I respect Jimmy and Bam, and I respect Coach Spo and company. But uh, I don't feel like the Heat will score enough points in this game. And, um for those who don't know, I like to predict some scores. So uh, give me the Hawks 112 and then give me the Heat 107. You know what I'm saying? Giving the Hawks that lock for that seventh seed. Next matchup in the East will pop off the following day, which is Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern between the 9 and 10 seeds, which is the Bulls heading up to Toronto to face the Raptors. <laughs> Now, this game is tricky, and uh, to be honest, a lot of the play-in matchups are real tricky, but this one in particular, it's a really close call in my opinion. See, on one hand, I love how versatile the Raptors is defensively and offensively with having multiple guys, you know what I'm saying, that being at least 6'7", and can play multiple positions on both the offensive and defensive end. All of them can pretty much handle the ball, put it on the floor, make plays for others, and they can shoot well enough. Then on the other hand, though, um, the Bulls have um, what I like to call the players. And when I say that, I mean they have two respected, you know what I'm saying, multiple all-stars. And then and Zach Levine and DeRozan. And then a the borderline, you know what I'm saying, starting Vucevic. 
And with all things considered, I think I'm going to take the players in this one. Uh, and this one going to be a slow post, low scoring game. I think I'm going Bulls 106, Raptors 103 uh, in a real close one. I think Pat Bev will bring something extra to the game with his playoff experience. And I believe that's the reason they, you know what I'm saying, they brought him over. And then he'll get him a little something that might push him over the top in the play-in game. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I think I like uh, the Bulls to take take the Raptors. Now, when and if the Raptors lose, they got to get the hell on. But just because the Bulls win, that wouldn't mean they clinch anything. And just because Miami would have potentially lost to the Hawks don't mean it's over with for them. Because they still got to duke it out with the Bulls for the AC and final spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And with that being said, I think I like Miami to go ahead and lock into that spot. See, I think Heat culture will prevail. I think Jimmy wills them to a dub. And Miami's defense becomes too much for them, especially after the Bulls would have had to play another tough defense in the previous game versus Toronto. I think uh, we get another low-scoring game in that one, and then I'm going to take the Heat 107-101. And then that would round the Eastern Conference playoffs with the Hawks as the play-in, excuse me, with the Hawks as the seventh seed and the Heat as the eighth seed. And now we can move on to the Western Conference side of the play-in. So as the West has it, the first game, just like the East, going to pop off on Tuesday at 10 p.m. after the first game of, of the Eastern Conference um, with the Lakers sitting as the current seven seed versus the Timberwolves at eight to see who's going to actually clinch that seven seed. And with this one, I ain't going to even play around. I'm going to go ahead and let y'all know the Lakers going to go on, on, on and take this one. I love you, Ant, as a fellow West Side Zone 4 member, and I wouldn't even be close to surprised if you was to wield the Timberwolves to a win, but I just watched the team implode, my boy. Um, I'm literally hours removed from watching Rudy Gobert punch a teammate in the face, and uh, I watched Jay McDaniels, their best perimeter defender, break his hand um, by punching the wall, Um like, this is a no-brainer for me because I ain't even mentioned the fact that since the trade deadline, the Lakers are a top-five team in basketball. And uh, along with having the rejuvenated LeBron James coming off the injury and down the stretch, he looked like um, the LeBron James are old and AD been playing like a monster along with the emergence of Austin Reed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Lakers in a pretty convincing win in this one. Um, I'm going to go 113-104 to 104 and then with them locking up that seventh seed. Okay, cool. So that leads me to the Wednesday matchup. And uh, after the East finished doing their thing, we got the ninth-seeded Pelicans battling out the 10th-seeded Thunder to see who's going to get to play the loser of the Lakers and Wolves game, which I stated, I believe, will be the Wolves. So who do I have the Wolves facing? As much as I've loved what the young, unexpected, damn near easy to bet on Thunder have done, I'm going to take the Pelicans. And, and it's not even because they had a better team in this one, but more so the more veteran team. And I believe the calm that McCollum and Brandon Ingram is um, going to bring them 
in that game, maybe what takes them over the hump. Uh, like, I believe SGA is ready, but I don't, I don't think the rest of the guys around him are just yet. I feel like Willie Green coaching in these scenarios before will be a pretty big deal in the end for the Pelicans. And I'm going to take them in a more high-scoring game of 117 to 112. And I do think the Thunder will put up a fight until the very last whistle. And uh, shout-out to them uh, if that is the end of their season. Like I'm predicting, they, they put up um, a great fight all year. That was a pretty fun team to watch, and I'm excited about their future. So if y'all was paying attention to how I said shit went in the East, then y'all know the T-Wolves going to potentially be waiting for the Pelicans for that eighth seed and my crystal ball serves me right. And in that game, I I think the Timberwolves might scratch and claw their way to a victory in that one. I'm not confident in the pick, but I think this game, Ant-Man and Carl Anthony Towns uh, will have the Timberwolves you know what I'm saying? They'll wield they'll wheel them boys to a big win with some big performances. I trust Ant to kind of go off in the game like this, and I trust in the game of this magnitude that CJ McCollum could have one of those off nights he give you every once in a couple of big games. And then I feel like Cat would be too much of a matchup problem for Valentunas, and I feel like the Timberwolves will control the boards in this game. So, yeah, I got the Timberwolves clinching the AC with the 112-107 win over the New Orleans Pelicans. So then that'll leave the Lakers getting in as the seven seed, and then the Timberwolves going ahead and back doing in in that AC, literally backing in that motherfucker. Now, over the past couple episodes or so, I've been hollering at y'all about who I believe the best teams in each conference are, right? But since we officially down to the nitty gritty, it ain't even necessary to try to separate the top four teams in each conference. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is who really got a legitimate shot to win the whole shebang. So with that being said, I'm going to still give y'all a fire four, right? But see, this one right here going to be the top four teams I feel like got a legitimate shot to win it all. So, I'm going to pop this fire for off with Number four. the Los Angeles Clippers. Reason I got the Clippers at four is because of the head coach. I think Tyron Lue is the best coach in basketball. And even though he may be missing Paul George, as I haven't heard much about his timetable to return, but I do hear they expect him to be back at some point in maybe the first round. But even if he is out a little longer than expected, I think Tyloo is the band-aid that covers up that scar up until he comes back. It's also a veteran team who I think is hungry. And I think the addition of Russell Westbrook and him not being really the main focus on the offensive end, but being the main table setter, uh, is it, going to um, surprise some people on how well it works in the postseason. And honestly, man, back to PG. If I would if I would have had a better idea of when he's expected back or how healthy he would be, when he returns, I think the Clippers would be a little bit higher on my list or lower, depending on how you look at it. Number three. Coming in high at three, I got the Golden State Warriors. Reason the Warriors sit at three on my list with the legit shot to hoist to Larry O'Brien is because now, let's be real for a second. 
It's the Warriors. While they have yet to crack any list that I have put together all season because they have not looked like a team, a top team in the NBA, um, I can't ignore uh, the defending champions championship pedigree. Uh, Clay and Steph are still Clay and Steph, and Clay looks like um, a lot like his pre-injury self after being clear of the torn tendons and labrums and shit for two years. Um, their atrocious road record is surprising, but I have to agree with something I heard Stephen A. Smith say a couple days ago. Um, I trust them to get one on the road just because I know those veteran guys going to lock in and understand what needs to be done on the road. Uh, that is under the assumption that the Warriors would win every game at home. Um, but I feel like that assumption is safe because they had one of, if not the best home record in the NBA. And not to mention, if Andrew Wiggins comes back off his hiatus and looks like even three quarters of what he looked like in the playoffs last year, uh, I feel like Golden State got a, a pretty legitimate shot. Number two. At two, I got the Phoenix Suns. KD, CP3, Devin Booker with some DeAndre Ayton sprinkled in from here and there time to time is a little dangerous. Um, the fact that one, if not two of those players are going to be uh, on the court at all times, I feel like it's going to be scary in the playoffs. Uh, each player will make the other jobs easier because all of them require a good amount of attention on the uh, offensive end from opposing defenses. Then on possessions where you may play perfect defense, you got two killers who got the answer for perfect defense in KD and Book. Um, I did have some questions earlier when they first formed the team at the trade deadline. I had some questions on the defensive end, but as I watched the core of KD and CP3 uh, and book play together towards the end of the year, I liked some things uh, that I saw on the defensive end. And let's not forget to mention that um, some, if not a lot of this crew, along with their coach, Money William, has been to the finals and in a deep playoff run before. So, uh, yeah, that, that that should help them out in the long run, and that's why they had two on my list. And last but not least, coming in as the hottest. Number one. As my team with pretty much the best shot I feel like to win it all is the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think the Bucks are by far the best team in the NBA. Uh, their defense is tenacious as they find themselves in another NBA season where they finish top five overall in defense um, with so many great individual defenders like Drew Holiday, Book Lopez, Javon Carter, just to name a few. And uh, I think they have the overall best player in the NBA, along with the veteran core, who has won a title before. Uh, they have been looking damn good for the majority of the season without who could potentially be their second best player in Chris Middleton. I feel like they have a great balance of shooting and the inside presence on the offensive end. You know what I'm saying? It's not just, they're not just hoisting up threes. They actually, you know what I'm saying, shoot good three-point shots and also take it inside, use Brooke Lopez, and they also use Giannis on the inside. Um, they are also deeper than they are given credit for, even though um, Coach Bud probably shortens the rotation up um, the further they get in the playoffs. 
And uh, if Giannis can make his free throws down the stretch, I don't see why the Bucs couldn't be representing the East in the finals, to be honest. And now that I've gotten through my final fire four list of the NBA season, I can, you know, touch on a couple of playoff series in the first round I feel like um, are a little intriguing to me or those that I'm very excited to see even with the play-in tournament still looming. Now, walk down hypothetical lane with me real quick, and let's pretend my crystal ball is correct and the Lakers latch on to the seventh seed, right? Well, that's where the Lakers would potentially take on the Memphis Grizzlies in a two to seven matchup. <laughs> this series would be super interesting to me because if the Lakers are going to make a run like a lot of people are predicting, then this is a good matchup for them to have. Um, last year, see, Memphis played the Warriors. I tried to downplay the experience card, um, but it is uh, it is real, and the Grizzlies may have not been ready yet. And, and it's almost like when the OG lion sees a little young lion hunting in the wild, and the OG line know that the eagerness of the young line going to be his own downfall and the reason why he missed out on the opportunity for prey. Why the OG line, you know, just just know just when to prance. That's what kind of what how I see that. And most of y'all know the women do all the hunting in the pride, but y'all get the metaphor. You know what I'm saying? I just see uh, Memphis as a little bit too young, a little bit too eager. And I feel like the Lakers going to look at that as an opportunity to prance and feel like Memphis probably a year and a piece away anyway. But the most interesting series is another one in the West with the 3-6 matchup of the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. Ooh-wee, this series going to be fun and I expect it to go the distance. I feel like top to bottom, this is going to be the series with the most talented players on the court at one time. <laughs> Uh, it's another one of those youth versus experience things because the Warriors have been there, been there, been there, been there, done that, done that, done that, done that, while the Kings haven't been to the playoffs in 16 years. So since I was about 12 years old, every game I feel like it's going to be up and down, high scoring, high pace, and I feel like the Kings can win if they take advantage of the Warriors inside with Sabonis. And I feel like the Warriors can win if they uh, can attack Sabonis consistently and make him guard, which then I think he can be vulnerable to some foul trouble. But hell yeah, I'm excited for the Warriors and Kings matchup for freaking sure. Oh yeah, and the honorable mention to the 4-5 matchup of the Suns and Clippers. Only reason I can't go into depth about that series is because the playing field is tilted with the Paul George's injury, uh, which actually fucking sucks. But if he was healthy and his status was known, I'd be a little bit more excited for this one, too. It's crazy how I just peeped that all my most interesting series in the first round is actually in the West. And I'm sorry for that. And that is because I pretty much expect the Bucks to run through that motherfucker in the East. Which leads me to my next topic, which is the last two standing teams repping East Conference in the finals. So as I just foreshadowed, I got the Bucks representing the East and the Suns representing the West. As we get a finals rematch from two years ago where the Bucks bust down the Suns in six. 
This year around with the Milwaukee Bucks to finish the whole thing in seven. And uh, as I mentioned, I wholeheartedly believe that they are the best team in the league. I know what firepower the Suns have, especially with um, bringing over a higher gun than KD. But I feel like that great Bucks defense I talked about earlier is going to smother them. Um, I think Drew Holiday going to wear out whoever his matchup is, whether it be CP3 and or Devin Booker. And I don't think Aiton going to be a big enough factor consistently like he would need to be in order to beat the Bucks. And just because I like to play around with numbers, stats, and projections every now and again, for finals MVP, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Greek Freak with him putting up some like mm, 34, 10, and 5, not too far off of what he did this regular season, which was bananas in his own right. And speaking of finals MVP, I know I promised y'all as soon as the ball dropped on the end of the NBA regular season, I was going to let y'all know who I was rocking with for MVP. So I got to let y'all know in the very tight race, I had to give it to the seven foot one inch center from Cameroon by way of Kansas University, Joel, the process MB. He simply just led the league in scoring and grabbed a scoring title, averaging 33.1 points per game. You know what I'm saying? He has the 76ers as a top three seed in the toughest Eastern Conference. 13, and I repeat, 13 40-point games with two 50-piece dinners intertwined in there with it. And he averaged a double-double with 10.2 boards a game. He also put in a little work on the defensive end as well while averaging a block and a half per game. And with all that, I think he has done enough to win his first MVP trophy. And shout out to Giannis and Jokic for making this race come down to the very last drop of the 2022-23 season. (laughs) See, I was going to get into some of the more prestigious accolades, you know what I'm saying, to talk about all rookie teams, all NBA teams, and all defensive teams. But for the purposes of the all NBA teams, I wanted to see how this play-in tournament was going to shake out. And I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or the voters actually do this, but that's how I decided to rock out this time. Because if the Thunder happened to float into the AC, SGA might be a lock on my all NBA first team but most definitely second. But I promise, I promise, next episode, I'm going to get my all-NBA, all-rookie, and all-defensive teams to y'all when I check back in during these playoffs. And I promise I'm going to keep my list trill no matter if the voters' list get published before the next time I highlight y'all. But, of course, I want to thank y'all for tuning in to another beautiful episode of Quick Hits. You could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with me, and it's always appreciated. Go ahead and download this bad boy on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Until next time, good people, peace. Peace.